0: I um, really, really enjoyed today. Uh, that mainly because you know Braden's here, and <laughs> and the good news, oh, the and his friends, whatever their names are. No, the good news singers have been with us, and if you haven't noticed, they've been um, singing, uh, uh, help leading the singing, and they've done a fantastic job. Uh, There was no beatboxing, I heard. Uh, No, wait, they're not clapping for that. They were (laughs) clapping for the sentence before. That was awkward, everyone. That's why we don't clap. No. (laughs) Um, No, (laughs) that that was funny. But we had... uh, There's no beatboxing. Yes! So (laughs) we... uh, we we are so blessed to have them. If you have, if you thought I'm not, I am not, I don't stay for potluck. I uh, usually don't ever do that. Maybe you're like one of those germ people that don't like touching things other people have touched. So you you go and you eat someplace out, you know, um, yeah, where a complete stranger touches your food. But you want to go do that. If you want to go do that, please come back. Please come back. Uh, g- go eat quickly. Um, we're going to have potluck and around 1245, 1 o'clock. Um, the Good New Singers will perform. So please be back for that. The- you will not regret it. We've got some people coming from other churches that are going to come join us and, and listen. Um, so don't embarrass us or anything. Uh, <laughs> so we're really glad they're here. Now, uh, also, uh, we forgot to announce that um, Cora Westfall... Was born this past week. Um, She is uh, quite a few weeks early, um, and but she is three pounds nine ounces. She'll be in the NICU for about five weeks. And this is par for the course for Andrew and Regina. This is their fourth and their fourth premature. Um, They know this routine. They're doing pretty good, um, but prayers are still needed. um, And they're not they're not here. So I want to say this. if you see them, hand them some money. That helps, especially when you're driving back and forth to to Little Rock and they they they're eating out a lot. I mean, it, stuff like that piles up on you. It would just be really nice to hand them a twenty and say, "God bless you." Um, if if you can, if you run into them, that would be a blessing to them. So do that or um, give cards. If you don't if you don't trust where they'll spend it. Uh, <laughs> gift cards, stuff like that. Okay, um, so we're looking at the miracles of Jesus, and today we are going to talk about my favorite miracle. I know you're not supposed to have favorites if you're a Christian, but this one's my favorite, because it's the only one, the only one that I can't picture in my mind. All of the other ones, people coming back to life, I can picture someone who's dead coming back to life just about every day. Disney movie that happens. I've seen that. Blind people starting to see. I can understand that. Deaf people starting to hear. That's actually, there's YouTube videos of that. That I, I cannot, for the life of me, mentally picture Jesus feeding a bunch of people with just a little bit of bread. I can't do it. Can you? I can't. How did it work? What did it look like? The best thing I can come up with is just like a... Like if you picture a cup that's face down and you pick a cup up and then there's just another cup. Same size. Just a cup, 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 cup. Just bread, 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 bread. I I can't get it. And I would have loved to have been there whenever he, he... Jesus says, looks at the people and he says, these people are hungry, and he looks at the disciples, and he says, give them something to eat, and the disciples, well, we don't have a whole lot. we in Mark chapter 8 today, and the story in Mark chapter 8 is quite peculiar for a couple of reasons, and we'll get into those in just a second, but let's let's look at the setting here. During those days, another large crowd gathered since they had nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. This wasn't like a bragging thing. He's just saying, he's saying, I, 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 this it really bothers me that they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. They've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. Notice here, Jesus is not being dramatic. He genuinely believes that if it sends them home hungry, they will not make it home. They will will be too hungry to make it home. He says, because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where is this remote place? Can anyone get enough bread? Can anyone get enough bread To feed them. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? And they say, seven. Now, what's interesting about this particular story is uh, we will often look at the disciples and we will say, come on, guys, get it together. Because it seems like they doubt a little bit. And for a second, it is merited. Because if you just go back two chapters, Jesus does this before. You, so you would think there was this, there'd be this element where Jesus Jesus feeds five thousand people, and then two chapters later on the other side of the lake, he's wanting to feed some more people, and they they say, well, how would we do that? And you would think Jesus would at this point go, "Don't you remember two chapters ago?" They would. How in the world are we going to feed all these people? I don't know. Uh, Let me take a guess. The same way I fed all the other people. He says, how many loaves do you have? We can do this. Now, just looking at that in just a flat storyline, just straight across, and you would say, well, what are they thinking? But I, I would argue that they are probably thinking along the same lines that we think often. And we just haven't caught it yet. See, the first feeding happened in the Holy Land. It happened in Israel. It happened on the the west side of the sea. That's where the good people lived. That's where the people who were respectable, who tried to follow God, who kept the Sabbath, who honored the Lord, that's where they lived. So all the people that um, the disciples sort of respected and expected to be um, served by God, expected to be loved by God, all those people got fed in Mark chapter 6. And then Mark chapter 8 comes, and they are on a different side of the lake. The way we might say that is a different side of the tracks. Had the same connotation. Over there lived the people who were an abomination to God. Um, in the land of the twelve, that's where God God loves those people. God Jesus will feed those people. But in the land of the what they called the seven nations uh, came in, but it's also called the Decapolis, ten cities. But it's the land of the seven nations. In the land of the seven. Surely God wouldn't bless them like that. So it's not even that they they don't think those people deserve it. It's just the two things don't connect. Mark chapter 6, yes, he fed them. Fantastic. Praise God. Mark chapter 8, what can we do? It's often the people that we think are worth less than us that we have a hard time serving in the name of God. We can do this in church. Churches can do this really well. new couple comes in. And they're a, a teacher, an administrator, a doctor. Oh, man. Far, a doctor comes in. We're thinking about placing membership. Oh, yes, come on, this way. We'll show you to your special seat. Someone high up in our um, our imagined hierarchy, we can easily treat with a special hand. We can easily be nicer without even thinking about it. They're, they, we will, we might say, are going to be a great addition to this church, and I'm sure they will be but probably not for the reasons that our common hierarchies suggest. What happens whenever someone of low socioeconomic standing comes in the room? Do we get just as excited? Are we just as eager to make them feel welcome? There's a big difference... Between someone who walks in one day with a suit. You know, in the first time, you will say, okay, you don't know how we do things here. I'm just kidding. But they'll realize, well, I don't, no one else. There's like maybe four other suits in the room. Which, by the way, you people who wear suits, keep it up. We need people who wear suits here. Just in case Jesus comes back and that's a requirement or something. We can just be like, we're with him. No, the reason we need people who wear suits is the same reason we need people who wear overalls, because if someone comes in that door wearing a suit or wearing overalls or with tattoos or with piercings, we want people that they can look around this room and connect with and say, oh, I'm not alone. Keep it up. Um, The diversity that happens here in all sorts of areas of life, keep it up. But we do need to pay attention, not to our, you know, the, the, I, th- I think you'll got, you guys are doing a great job. We need to pay attention to our instincts, the things, like the, the little red flags that come up and say, Oh no, I don't know, how they should they sit by my kids? Because there is a certain um, type of person that you might wrestle with. You might struggle with. And I think it is our calling, if we are going to follow this Jesus who did some amazing things, I think it is our calling to serve those people intentionally and often. Now, it may be different for some of you. Like, that type of person, one type of person may really bother one of you, and another type of person, um, you may be fine, and for each of you, that will be switched. Like, it, it could vary from one to the next. I've spent a lot of time in, um, in prison ministry when I was in Texas. Um, and there's a lot of churches that have, like, um, uh, ex-convict ministries. Those guys... Don't bother me too much. Or at all, too much sounded awful. It's a little, you know, everybody. No, those guys, that doesn't bother me. Not one bit. Um, But I'll tell you this much. Um, Someone comes into that door, um, full suit, not like, like sort of just thrown on, but like vest and a King James Bible, I tighten up and it's just true we all have we all have a thing where we're just like I'm not I don't know about that and so some of us even on the on the uh, the doctrinal scale on the biblical scale some of us like are really good with people who might be a little more left leaning than us a little more liberal than us and then some of us are really good with people who are more conservative than us and you find as time goes on that you've got this grace spectrum that you'll offer to people and the, your grace spectrum may shift. Where like, you're, you, you, you gave grace to the people who were um, to your right and now you've kind of changed in your thinking and you shift your grace spectrum. If your change, change in thinking only shifts your grace spectrum instead of widening it, it hasn't done you much good. So we need to serve the people who make us uncomfortable theologically. We need to serve the people who make us uncomfortable with the sins that they sin, that we don't sin. We need to serve the people who, who might, we might think, I don't know if they deserve it. If you have that thought, that's actually a really good sign that you need to jump right in. And let your faith in what God can do in that situation, even though it's an impossible situation in your mind, let your faith in God rule your actions. See, it wasn't that they didn't know Jesus could feed a lot of people. What they didn't know is that Jesus could feed all those people. And when we have the tendency to make some people better than others, it, your life won't work well that way. Because guess who's always at the top of the hierarchy? Moi. Excuse my French. That was for me. There, there is that. is, I'm at the top. And everyone else is by comparison, but if you level it out and you say this is this Jesus treated people like he was he had compassion for them. Now notice notice what happens here. And there's a little clue that comes on. Um, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people and. They did so. He just kept breaking the loaves and they just kept going. And so just in case some of you might be suspicious and you start thinking, oh, well, he just, they, he, everyone had a tiny crumb. No, no, sir. They had, they had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks and then for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. And the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces of bread that were left over. Do you remember what happened in, in uh, Mark 6? you remember how many they picked up there? Does anybody catch that? In the land of the twelve, they picked up twelve. In the land of the seven, they picked up seven. Mark here is not trying to show us how abundant it was. He's trying to show us what Jesus did. And if you read from Mark chapter 6 to Mark chapter 8, you will see what Jesus did was approach people who the Israelites were afraid to approach. Our Phoenician woman, there's a man with a with an evil spirit that comes up on that side of the land, and then he finishes it by serving these people that the disciples were unsure they even should. We are called to live out that. We are called not to be the sort of people who read the miracles and say, oh, well, where are my miracles? If if I just pray hard enough, Jesus will feed me. No, the early church saw people heal people and they decided to take care of the sick. The early church saw Jesus feed thousands and they decided to give food to people. We are not reaping the benefits of Jesus. We are feeding following the way of the resurrected King. That's how you bring heaven to earth. Because what's happening in these miracles is Jesus is just this heaven tornado that's right, just, that has landed on earth and where He goes, heaven goes to. So, the, so the, the lame walk, the blind see, those who are dead live, and those who are hungry hunger no more. And so what he does is he goes around and he 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 has these moments interacts with these pain this pain and it's not a promise it's not a promise to us that whenever that if we can just pray hard enough then our then we will we will survive that illness. You will eventually die. Survive one illness. You won't survive the next. And if you do, you won't survive the one after that. Eventually, something will get you. What we see in Jesus is not a hope that today I will be healed. It's a hope that someday, when heaven actually rules, when God actually reigns, when, when everything is actually on earth as it is in heaven, there will be no more tears. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more starvation. There will be no more war. And thank the Lord, there will be no more presidential races. We... We will not suffer like that anymore. And what we see in Jesus is not like, oh, he healed those people, then he will heal me. Yeah, yes. But what we see is just this kingdom of God walking around, interacting with the kingdom of the world. And we find that not a hope for today, although that is nice. We find a hope for what is to come. And the hope is for what is to come. But the calling, the, the the what Jesus wants from us is to bring heaven to earth with him on a daily basis. So if that means showing grace to people who need grace, if that means feeding people who need food, if that's offering forgiveness to those that you haven't forgiven, if it's loving others like God has Loved you, you are a walking inhabitant of the Spirit of God. Let it change the world around you. Otherwise, we're just coming to church, sitting in the pew, singing beautiful songs, really nailing it like we do. But then going out and not letting our existence influence the existence and the world around us. Jesus fed those people because he loved those people. Jesus loved those people because God loves those people. There's this, uh, I don't know if you remember, I think it was Mark Redman was his name. He was an Olympic sprinter. And, um, I would show the video, but I would just weep the whole time. It's one, of those, it's one of those videos that gets me just about every time. He's running in the Olympics, and he uh, comes up lame. I think he pulls a hamstring. All of a sudden, out of, out of, um, off camera comes his dad. And his dad puts his arm around him or puts the son's arm around the dad, and they finish the race together. So the way we operate sometimes with God, I think we often will say, like, we'll come up lame, and God will come and be by our side, and we'll say, Dad, why did you pull my hamstring? When all the while, God's just coming in there, right next to us, loving us, helping us keep on, keeping on through pain, through suffering, through trial. And when we see Jesus do that for these people, when we see God do that for us, we will feel called to do that for others. So we come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are starving, who are who are are just in need. We put their arm around us and support their weight and say, we can go with you. And we will go with you because Jesus went with us. And Jesus went with us because God loves us. And that tells the story of the good news way better than some five-point pamphlet just a shoulder to lean on, a spot at your table, a person who loves you, even though you've made mistake after mistake after mistake. That sort of life and that sort of love reflects the person of Jesus and can change this county. We, we can say change the world, but let's start with the county. We can show people the, that there really is good news. That heaven is, the kingdom of God is going to rule. And King Jesus is alive. You don't have much of a here's the here's the action steps. I mean obviously find somebody to stand next to and be with and be for them and head them in a direction. But before you do that, I would I would ask that you spend a lot of time in the mornings pondering and thinking about ways in which God has already done that for you. Ways in which God has been with you and for you and pushed you in a direction. That'll, that'll change how you see your, 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 uh, the people you work with, your classmates. It'll change how you see your spouse. God has been with me. God has had my back. So I will be with others. And I will be for them and I will have their back. And They will know at the end of the day that it was not just me loving them, it was the God who created the heavens and the earth. The God who sent his son to to rescue and redeem and resurrect us. They will know that for sure. And they will know that you are just an instrument of the grace and love and mercy and service of the God who loves us more than anything. So if you do have something that you want us to pray with you for, if there's something like you need somebody to hold you accountable, because today is the day you're repenting. Today is the day you that I am changing and I need the church to help me. Or as today is the day that you want to unite it with this Jesus in, into his death, burial, and resurrection, you want to be redeemed by the one who came to redeem you. If today is the day, then by all means, come forward. But the call today is to go and see the world like Jesus saw it. The people who don't deserve it in our minds, go see them as deserving. Go into this world. And in the end, that's just what you're doing is just the Great Commission. You're showing them the good news through the way it has affected you and the way it will affect others. If you need anything this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.